today we're actually starting a new sermon series that takes us back, um, really a couple thousand years. Um, and, and so I don't know, I, for me, I grew up Baptist, um, and we really didn't know much about what I would call the creeds of the faith. Um, and maybe you're that way, maybe you've not really heard them. And uh, the Apostles' Creed is an early church uh, statement and, and what they did in the early days of the church, the Christians developed these short statements to summarize their faith. And as different heresies would crop up in the church and people would be teaching false things, they would create these sayings, these creeds, these beliefs to help combat against that. And it would be a reminder, a way for people to easily understand what we really believe. And so the word creed comes from the Latin word credo, and it means I believe and I trust. And so this series, we're calling it I Believe. And what do you believe? And I mean, that's something we've really got to spend some time thinking about. And in fact, people, when they would prepare for baptism in the early centuries of the Christian church, they would have to learn this creed and be able to repeat it as a statement of faith when they were baptized. And so... Um, it was kind of the essential teaching of the apostles. It wasn't written by the apostles, but it reflected what they taught. And so today there's, a, there's numerous denominations that still use the Apostles' Creed as a statement of faith and includes Methodists and Presbyterians and Congregationalists and Catholics and Lutherans and Anglicans. And, and these people, they, they, they would know the, the, the Apostles' Creed because they've heard it, but I know here in our region, in our area, it's not something you really hear taught or know much about. And so in its oldest form, the Apostles' Creed goes back to about the year 140 A.D. Um, and so what happened, these church leaders would sum up their beliefs and they would put it in a form that could be recited. Uh, J.I. Packer wrote a book called Affirming the Apostles' Creed, and he said this. He said, it seems that every congregation of any size in the second and the third centuries... Uh, had its instructional classes for teaching Christianity to those who wished to learn more. These, this course usually lasted three years, and the climax of it was a confession of faith and a baptism on Easter Eve, followed by the Lord's Supper of the Eucharist on Easter Day, and the confession was made in the words of the Apostles' Creed. So in the early centuries of the church, when you came to faith, you had to know this. You were taught this. You were taught the doctrine and I think about today, right, we, we've made it a little bit, I think almost, we've kind of lowered the entry bar a little bit and just said, hey, if you want to get saved, raise your hand, and that's it, go on with your life, right? There, there's, it's important to know what you believe. And so there's several forms of the, the creed that are spoken in, in churches today. Most are kind of slight variations. Um, the Apostles' Creed, I'll share it here in a minute. There are kind of two phrases that are a little like, confusing. I think one, uh, it was later added that Jesus descended into hell. You might probably heard that. Um, that was not in the original Apostles' Creed, and that's a pretty uh, controversial statement. We may get into that in a later sermon uh, in this series. Um, so that's not in most of the, the versions today. There's another phrase. Uh, talking about the Holy Catholic Church. And we hear that and we're like, well, we're not Catholic. Well, when this was written, it was really before the Roman Catholic Church. And cat, the word Catholic just means universal. All right, so I'll just share that. It's that we're not Catholics, okay? You don't have to go home and say, Mike's turned Catholic. No, 
we're talking about this, and it has the word Catholic in it, but it doesn't make you a Catholic, okay? We're still Protestant. Um, but I just wanted to share that. So let me kind of read it. We'll put it up on the screen, too. Um, and it's this. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, God's only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven. He is seated at the right hand of the Father, and he will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. So have y'all heard that before? Um, some of y'all have. Um, for me, I remember really kind of the first time I was knew about it, exposed to it, was when Rich Mullins came out with a song in 1993, okay, I'm dating myself here a little bit, called Creed. Y'all remember that song? Uh, man, I, I started listening to it again this week, and it made me want to like learn how to play the hammer dulcimer. Uh, I told Jennifer, can I buy a hammer dulcimer? Uh, and she's like, what are you talking about? I'm like, man, that looks so cool to play. If you haven't seen it, go watch the video. It's really super cool, okay? Um, but this, this creed, it's so, so rich in meaning. And I think you can see why I want to spend some time talking about this. Um, and so let's just kind of jump right in this morning. And, and then my first point is the creed uh, helps us to know what we believe and why we believe it. And I love going back and studying the early church and the lessons that we can learn from it and extract from it. And I think this helps so much. And the truth is, it teaches us theology. Uh, we, li- we live in a, a world where we're a little bit afraid of theology. You, you wor- use the word and you're like, well, I'm not a student or I'm not, a, I'm not in the academics. I'm not, I don't really need to know theology. And I would argue with you that everybody needs to know theology. Everybody needs to know basic theology. You need to know what you believe and why you believe it. And so why do we study theology? It's simply the study of God. Uh, it's been described as faith-seeking understanding. And I love that, that definition of theology. And since the beginning of time, we've struggled with questions like, um, is there a God? Um, not only that, but like, why am I here? Um, not only that, like, does God care about me today? Why is there evil in the world today? Why do bad things happen to good people? Uh, what did, did Jesus, was he really God? And all these questions... That is why we need to know theology. That is why it's so important, so we can answer these questions. In fact, we're kind of going to emphasize theology this summer, and we're going to do a a, a series of classes, both online and in person on Wednesday nights, called Discover Theology. Um, And so this is kind of going to be part of the reason I want to do this sermon series is to kind of prepare us for that. Uh, to get us thinking about these questions of life. And, and you may be one of those people that don't really question things, but you need to know the answer to the question so that you can help the people around you. And, and so it's really uh, important. We shouldn't be afraid of the theology. The Apostles' Creed, it can help us discuss theology and answer some of these important questions. Um, there are a number of uh, so why do we study this? If it was not really in the Bible, it's not written by the apostles, uh, but it contains some of the t- things they taught, why do we study it? Well, one, 
it, it teaches us the biblical worldview that God's truth can be known, it can be believed, it can be confessed, and it can be acted upon. And so it's just, it's just a way for us collectively to learn some of these truths of the Bible. Second, I think it reflects the truth of, a, of the Bible. It's an excellent summary of what Christians should believe. It's the essential beliefs that we all need to know. The, the creed, it was a public statement of faith. Can you imagine having to memorize that and say that at your baptism, right? That was just expected in the early church. Um, and so it was a standardized way in which people would, you could know what you believed and you could know that the different churches were teaching the same thing. Third, it, it was a safeguard against heresy. And we see that in the early church that many times people would come and say, well, Jesus, he really wasn't a person. He was just a spirit. Or they would have all these different teachings or Jesus, the, the son was different from the father and, and he was created and all this. Stuff. And they would say, no, this is what we believe. And so it was a safeguard against that. It was a way to kind of reinforce uh, what you believe. Fourth, the Apostles' Creed, it's an excellent teaching tool. Uh, it can you be used to instruct those who are new in the faith. And so they would memorize it. They would repeat it. They would share it. They would say it. And so it was a way for them to kind of come together. Uh, I read that the Apostles' Creed is a quick summary of the 66 books of the Bible. It's a bird's eye view of the high points of the story that spans thousands of years. The creed helps us get our arms around the big story, or perhaps the creed helps the story of God's mighty acts get God's arms around us. And I love that description. So it helps us to know what we believe and why I believe it. This morning, I want to focus on the first statement, that I believe in God the Father, Almighty Creator of heaven and of earth. I feel like, I mentioned this earlier, but I, I want to dig a little deeper. I feel like we've been guilty sometimes as the American church of oversimplifying the story of the Bible. What do I mean by that? Um, J.I. Packer, kind of, he shared that, that same idea. And he wrote in this book, he, he talked about in evangelists and tracts and just kind of the, the gospel that we share today has been boiled down to an ABC, right? All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So you've got to admit that you're a sinner. You've got to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be saved and confess Jesus Christ as the risen Lord and you'll get into to heaven. And while that's true, right, that's factually true, that's not the whole story. That's not the whole story. He said, um, he said, as 20th century trains and cars came to be streamlined for speed, so the gospel was streamlined for instant comprehension and response, the question became, how little do we need to tell people for them to become Christians? It's like, how do we boil it down and simplify it? He goes on to say that a shortened version of the gospel that presents Christ as Redeemer apart from God the Creator. It presents the remission of sins apart from personal regeneration or repentance. And salvation and life apart from worship in the church. And the hope of heaven apart from the path of holiness. Which is kind of what the ABC method does. It causes problems in the church that, that are hard to understand and explain. And I agree with him. And so the, the truth is, right, we've got to, to go back and, and, and see that the ABCs, it's not that it's wrong, but it's incomplete. When we start explaining the gospel, we need to explain the full story of the gospel. Now, I've shared before 
in the book of Acts, we see some pretty amazing sermons. In Acts chapter 2, Peter preached at Pentecost. Uh, and he was preaching to a Jewish crowd. They knew the Scriptures. They knew, they knew you know, they were there for the Jewish feast. So they knew all the stuff about the Messiah who was to come. So basically, Peter just got up and said, this Messiah that you've been waiting on, you just killed him. You need to repent, you need to be baptized, um, and you need, you need to get right with God. Basically, 3,000 people got saved. But that he was preaching to a crowd that already knew Scripture. So it was very interesting. When we move over to Acts 17, uh, Paul is preaching in Athens. And he is preaching not to a Jewish crowd, but a Gentile crowd. A crowd that doesn't really know about God. And so how does he share the message? He goes all the way back to the story of creation. God is the maker of heaven and earth. And let's look at that in Acts 17, because I think this is so powerful for us to see what I'm trying to explain. He says, so Paul, he was standing before the council. He addressed them as follows. Men of Athens, I notice that you are very religious in every way. For as I was walking along, I saw your many shrines. And one of your altars had this inscription on it. To an unknown God. This God whom you worship without even knowing is the one I'm telling you about. He is the God that made the world and everything in it. Since he is the Lord of heaven and earth, he doesn't live in man-made temples, and human hands can't serve his needs, for he has no needs. He himself gives life and breath to everything, and he satisfies every need. From one man, he created all the nations throughout the whole earth. He decided beforehand where, uh, when they should rise and fall, and he determined their boundaries. His purpose was for the nations to seek after God and perhaps feel their way toward Him and find Him, though He is not far from any of us. For in Him we live and move and exist. As some of your own poets have said, we are His offspring. I love this. He didn't say, you're sinners and you need to repent. Now, He would get there, but He started with this God who you don't even know about. Let me tell you about Him. He created this world. He created everything in it. He, he, he actually determined where we live and why we live there. It's in Him that we move and live and breathe and exist. This God who you don't even know about, who you write about, who you are searching for, I know Him and I want to share about Him. And so that kind of leads me to my next point. The, the, the creed teaches us that the gospel starts with creation. The gospel starts with the story of creation. What did Paul say to the men of Athens? He is the God who made the world and everything in it. He himself gives life and breath to everything. He satisfied every need. And so when we recite the creed, when we say the creed, when we read the Apostles' Creed, what we start with is the Lord Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in that. I believe he created heaven. I believe he created earth. I believe he created us. And that is such a powerful statement. It shares the gospel and it's, it's, it's this declaration of the basics of the Christian faith. And so uh, the universe didn't come into to being by a random chance. I know that's kind of a controversial statement in today because people say, well, the science and Bible and faith don't mix. And I'm telling you, right, 
uh, this is important that we understand that God created the world. You look around at the world we live in, we are not here by accident. I will boldly proclaim that. We are not here by some random chance. God cares. God made us. He made us different from animals. He made us unique. He put us in charge of this world that we live in. He created the heavens. He created the earth. And so this story that the the creed tells, if you read through this whole Apostles' Creed, it begins with the one true God who is... uh, He is self-sufficient. He doesn't need anything, but He creates the world. It then goes on to detail uh, the incarnation, that Jesus came, and it gives us the detail of Christ's birth, His life, His death. And then it talks about His resurrection, His ascension. Uh, Then it talks about how the Holy Spirit empowers us and builds the church and unites the saints and, and their spirits. He saves the lost. And the creed ends with this new beginning when the dead in Christ, Christ are raised and the Lord's return, uh, He's going to come back and this life everlasting. We get to be with God forever. And that, that's the summary of the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. And I believe that the story of the gospel is from Genesis to Revelation. God created the world. He created the heavens and earth. But then man sinned. Adam and Eve sinned. And because of their sin, sin entered the human race. And because of that sin, it was passed down from generation to generation. The world was broken. Everything in the world was broken. Relationships were broken. Our health was broken. Uh, Sin entered the world. Death entered the world. This broke everything. And that is why Jesus had to come. That is the reason He came, right? He came to rescue us from the brokenness. And so He came and He lived this perfect life. He lived the life that we couldn't live. And because of that, He became the sacrifice that could pay for our sins because our sins must be dealt with. Our sins must be paid for. There are consequences to our sin. And Jesus, by living that perfect life, He became the perfect sacrifice. And that's why He went to the cross and died on our behalf to pay the penalty for the sins that we have done, to reunite us with God. And so He rescued us. But the story doesn't end there because it goes on to talk about one day He's coming back again to receive us to Himself. And He's going to set this world back to the way that it was originally intended to be. Perfect. No sickness, no death. We're able to be with God forever, for all of eternity. That's the restoration of things to the way that God intended it to be. I just told you the story of the Bible from Genesis to Revelation in like a minute. But that's that's the message, right? And if you don't know, if you're someone that has never heard about Jesus and you just go up to him and say, you're a sinner, you need to repent, they're going to be like, I'm a good person. I didn't kill anybody. What are you talking about? I'm not that bad. I'm not as bad as my neighbor. I'm not as bad as my friend. They have no context for understanding that they need Jesus in their life. That's why the gospel really starts with creation. And so when you read the Apostles' Creed in this way, you see the gospel storyline of the Bible. It helps explain the Bible. It helps us understand why God came. It helps us understand who Jesus is and why we should respond. And so uh, talking about God creating the world, again, I I don't think it's real popular right now. Uh, You're like, it's like I've heard people say it's committing intellectual suicide to say that God is the creator. And I, mean, I disagree with that. Uh, 
as someone who loves science, as someone who loves the study of the world we live in, there is evidence of God all around us. All you have to do is look around at, at, at the world we live in and see evidence of God that this could not be an accident. Genesis 1 says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and empty, and darkness covered the deep waters, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. I love how the ma- message paraphrases. It says, First this, God created the heavens of the earth. All you see, all you don't see. Earth was a soup of nothingness. A bottomless emptiness, an inky blackness. And that right there, right, the very beginning of the Bible tells us why God, why we know that, that this world we live in is not here by accident. You cannot create something out of nothing. God spoke and the world came into existence. And, and that's the problem, right, with believing that we are here just as some cosmic accident of cells colliding. How do you create all of this from nothing? It, doesn't, it takes more faith to believe that than it does to believe in Jesus. I'm just telling you, right? When you look and you see, now we can have debates and all this time about how much time it took and all this, and that's a conversation for another day. But God created the heavens and the earth. He created us. In Psalms it says, The Lord merely spoke and the heavens were created. He breathed the word and the stars were born. All right, I mean, they, the, 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 they understood this. Even in Old Testament time, we are not here by accident. God created the universe and everything in it. It wasn't always here. It didn't spontaneously emerge. It happened because it was God's design. Hebrews 11 uh, is a good place to talk about this too. It says, faith shows the reality of what we hope for. It's the evidence of things we cannot see. Through their faith, the people in days of old earned a good reputation. By faith, we understand that the entire universe was formed at God's command and that we now see, and and what we now see did not come from anything that can be seen. This is amazing to me that right here in Psalms, here in Hebrews, we see the main argument we have even today for the creation of the world. You can't create something out of nothing. That God created, He spoke in the world that the universe was created. And I'll just tell you, the only way we can understand creation is by faith. Um, you can't go back and recreate it. You can't go back and, um, it's already here. We have to have, there is some level of faith to whatever you believe. And that's why I don't think there's far as many atheists out there that, that are truly atheists that say, I don't believe in a God, because I don't see how you can look at this world and look at, at humans and believe that it's an accident. Believe that it's just a mutation. You know, I, I look at us today, and you, you think about knowing right from wrong. You think about the way we can logically think and create. That's, that's unique among humans. That, that separates us from anything else in this world. And to, to think about that and, and to, to see how we, you know, the empathy, this, the way we can sympathize, the way all this stuff that God has built into us. He's even built into us a longing, a search for the God who created us. And I just think that's so important. Revelation 4 says, 
You are worthy, O Lord our God, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things, and they exist because you created what you pleased. In Genesis, when God created man, he says, This is good. We are created in the image of God. This is so, again, just understanding this is so important now, that we must believe by faith that God created this world we live in. And I don't think it's a stretch to believe that. I, I, do, I do say that I think we live in one of the prettiest places in the world. Do you guys agree? Just to see the mountains, to see the sunrise, the sunset, just to see the waterfalls. We have, we have so many waterfalls around here. Jennifer and I have been on a waterfall hunt lately, like to see all the waterfalls we can find around here. And it's amazing to see them all and just to see. Uh, and I think about the people just walking through, whether it was the Native Americans or explorers or who, walking through the woods and just walking up on these magnificent waterfalls. Think about what they had to think when they would just walk up and see those things. And, I mean, it's, they had to be in awe of the creation. And so I think that kind of takes me to, to well, I'll share this verse too. In Romans, he, this is what Paul said. This is the way he kind of described it. He, he's talking about the world and people that don't even know God. He said, they know the truth about God because he has made it obvious to them. Forever since the world was created, people have seen the earth, the sky. Through everything God made, they can clearly see his invisible qualities. His, his eternal power and His divine nature. So they have no excuse for not knowing God. God created the heavens and the earth. And so when we go back to the Apostle Creed, I think it reminds us that God is the Creator and we are the created. God is the Creator and we are the created. That's, that's my last point. And I'll just share that because... There's a distinction between God the created and we who are created. Now, the distinction reminds us that we're made in the image of God and not the other way around. And so uh, I think sometimes we've created God in our image. We've made God into what we want him to be like. And so what we do then when we read the Bible, we say, well, I don't like this part, and I don't like this part, and I don't really agree with this. So God, the one I worship, and we kind of, it's like a paint by numbers where we leave out the ones, the numbers we don't like, and we say, that's the picture of God I want to serve. Right? That's what we do. We kind of pick and choose and make God in our image and what we believe instead of saying, God, you created us, you know best. And if you created us, you get to define us. If you created us, you get to tell us what is right and what is wrong. If you created us, right, then you are the one who knows better for my life than I even know myself. And I think that's a huge problem in our world today. We don't want that. We want to be able to say we understand everything. We can explain everything. We know everything. To me, doesn't that sound like what Adam and Eve did in the Garden of Eden? Choosing to eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. They chose to say for themselves. To, they chose to take the place of God. And we're doing that today. And so for us to be able to say God is the creator of heaven and earth. It's saying he is the creator God. We are the created. We are the creation. And we are under his authority. 
And when we understand that, right, it really helps us view the world we live in it. He deserves our complete, our undivided worship. And so uh, this morning, as we did our, our baby dedication, I'm just so reminded of God's love. And, and Psalm 139, this verse, just every time we do a baby, I, I just think about this. You made all the delicate inner parts of my body. Uh, you knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. How well I know it. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion, as I was woven together in the dark of the womb. You saw me before I was even born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. As you think about that passage, let me just ask you, does it compel you to worship God as the Creator? When you think of how, how much He cares about each and every one of us? See, this is why it's important to study theology. We need to know who God is. We need to know that He created us, that He loves us, that He cares about us. And so what we believe about God, what we believe about Jesus, what we believe about salvation, it has a direct impact on how we live our life and how we display our faith. And this creed ensures that we develop an accurate understanding of the hope of the gospel. And it starts with understanding that, that He's the Lord Almighty, Father, right? He is the, the Maker, the Creator of heaven and earth. And that is why we can worship Him. The God of creation is a God of love. And so I invite you to, to think about that this week, to pray about that this week, to look for evidence of God all around you because it's there. And if you're here and you're like, I don't really know what I believe about God yet. I, I want to just say, just look around you. There is evidence everywhere. We see it in these babies that come up, right? We see it in their life, just the, the miracle of life. And, and every birth is a miracle. Every single birth is a miracle. When we see God at work and we see His hand upon us. And so I just want to challenge us this week to understand that God knows you better. He cares for you. He has a plan for your life. And that is why Jesus came. And that's why he died on the cross for us. And so I'm going to pray today. They're going to come back up and lead us in a song of worship as we close. But would you guys pray with me today? Heavenly Father, uh, through this study, I pray that you would help us deepen our understanding of who you are. It's so important to know that you are the God who created us. You are the God that loves us. You are the God that has a plan for our life. You are the God that wants to have a relationship with us. And that starts when we put our faith and our trust in Jesus. And so this morning, I pray uh, that as a church, we can get behind these babies, these children in our church, and encourage them and equip them and teach them and lead them by example to help them understand that they need to have a faith in Jesus Christ. And I pray also that the people listening, the people here today, would have that faith in you as well. That they would be able to say that you are my creator. You are, and I want to worship you as the creator of heaven and earth. And I understand that I'm created. So Heavenly Father, we praise you. We worship you for who you are today. And Lord, I invite everyone here to put their faith, their trust in Jesus, who can save them, who can transform their life, and who can give them a new meaning and purpose. And it's all through faith in Jesus Christ. 
And so, Heavenly Father, we just thank you this morning for the, your promises, your truth, and just for who you are. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.